What up, brawlers? Welcome back to Throne Hands. Uh, as we review UFC 251, alongside me, per usual, is Daniel Woods. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I'm doing great. Let's hop right into it. Amanda Hevis versus Paige Van Zandt. Hold on. Let's actually go back. Uh, Yuri Proshka. Jeez, that dude is good. <laughs> yes, that, that was a really impressive performance. Uh, I, knew, I had known that Proshka had been on the UFC's radar for a while, and I still wasn't expecting them to throw him in against a top 10 contender in Volkan Ozdemir and for him to, I mean, put the guy to sleep in the second round. That was really, really impressive. I mean, I know he's gotten a lot of hype in the past for his performances in Japan, that kind of stuff, but I was certainly not expecting that. Yeah, this dude's going to be a serious problem. I mean, there really is not much to talk about here, except it was pretty even in the first round. And then Pushka, I mean, oh, oh yeah. Ozdemir just outshot him at first, but Pushka just hit him with that jab, and then boom, with the right hand, uh, Ozdemir was on the ground. That was, uh, he's going to be a, he might be top five already. He's going to be a problem when he's, a, he's at least going to replace Ozdemir in that number seven spot. He has to. Yeah, there's no question. And he's, I mean, I've said this like six times already, but he's going to be a serious problem, I think. Yeah, that, Would, that knockout was so impressive. Like you texted me just in shock and my response was just buddy said buddy said sit down yeah and like that was just so impressive to see from a guy so i mean ufc debut for for proshaska to put down a top 10 contender that's awesome yeah really and then uh this guy right here Amir Khani, geez that he put uh he put henry away he put henry to sleep uh, the, the the anaconda choke is quickly, along along with the darts becoming so much more common in MMA. It feels like the the three things we've talked about in the UFC since 2020 started from a technical perspective. It's been leg kicks, anaconda chokes, and darts chokes. And I, I mean, I'm here for it. I love to see uh, guys that can get it done on the ground. And Makwana Mirkani certainly did that against Danny Henry. And then immediately after the tap uh, was back up on his feet, lifting the guy's legs up to help him basically wake back up. I mean, that's the sportsmanship you love to see in, in a sport where sometimes that get, kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. This dude's all class. I mean, I was, uh, I was uh, not enamored with his class, but this dude, on the other hand, Roman Bogatov, this guy is the complete opposite of class. I know you didn't see this fight, Daniel, but this dude, uh, two groin shots and a, an illegal knee to the head on a downed opponent all in one round. That caused uh, Mark Goddard to uh, deduct him two points, but still, it's that was bad. Did you did you end up seeing the highlights of that fight? I caught the tail end of it. I caught the end of the the third round. So it was it was after the uh, illegal knee strike and the and the groin shots, but it was it was obvious on commentary. I know my Michael Bisping was I mean seething over. Uh, what happened in that third round. And the thing is, 
Leonardo Santos, even without the two-point deduction against Bogotov, was going to win that fight by decision anyway. Yeah. So if it's – with Bogotov, if it's the kind of situation where it's late in the fight, you're, you're already down two rounds, and you're doing stuff like that out of frustration, I mean, you got to have better discipline than that. And if his coaches aren't telling him that after the fight and today, then, then there's a problem in that camp. Yeah, for sure. And our, our boy Jimmy Gaudio came away with the win. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Muslim Salikov come onto the screen. I'm like, that's that that's Jimmy Gaudio from 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 U92, where of course we are uh, distributing this podcast. Jimmy Jimmy Gaudio, a good friend of ours, and I, I immediately texted you, and I was like, that's Jimmy Gaudio, and, and he comes away with the win. So yeah. so there you go. Yeah, Luke sent that to him, didn't he? Pretty sure, pretty sure. I gotta ask. I'm gonna, I'm gonna congrat, congratulate Jimmy later today on that win because that was impre- that was impressive. I mean, it, it was a good fight. It was a solid fight. I'll give, I'll yeah. give uh, Muslim Salakov that. But we're gonna head back to the main card. Amanda Hebus versus Paige Van Zant. There's not much to discuss here. Paige Van Zant's probably going to Bellator after this. But Amanda Hebus, she got next. I, I don't know if you agree with me, Daniel, but she looked incredible in this fight uh submitted uh, van zant with that arm bar and she's 27 and she's already kind of tearing through uh every ufc opponent that she's faced i don't know what are your thoughts on this i thought this was a really impressive for amanda hebus and something that i think kind of got buried at least in the in the process of the fight you heard it talked about some she was going up to to make weight for this fight with, uh, with Paige Van Zandt. She was moving up from 115 to 125, I believe, uh, for this fight. And she went out. She beat arguably uh, the most mainstream, uh, famous women's UFC fighter since Ronda Rousey, for better or for worse, with Paige Van Zandt being on Dancing with the Stars and, and having, having and chopped, having so much mainstream attention put on her early in her career. And Amanda Hebus. No matter what you want to say about Paige Van Zandt as a fighter, Amanda Hebus went out there and dominated her. And I was really impressive. It was really impressive to me the way she was able to adjust to everything Paige Van Zandt was trying to do once they did go to the ground. Amanda Hebus, obviously, an outstanding grappling background and an outstanding jujitsu background. But Paige Van Zandt is no slouch on the ground in her own right. And Amanda Hebus was able to just roll with the punches once it got to the ground and adjust to everything Paige Van Zandt tried to do to get out of that armbar. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think you pretty much summed it up well. And I think we're going to head into what's next for these people. Uh, Paige Van Sant's going to Bellator. I, don't, I think you and I can agree on that, right? She's, she's definitely going to go to some sort of free agency. She's probably done in the UFC. I believe even, even Dana White was encouraging her to, to look at her options afterward, after this fight. So, uh, I, I could see her probably going to going to Bell, Bellator. That's where her, her husband's currently fighting. And, I, I mean, good for her. Bellator is certainly not – I mean, it's a step down from the UFC, but it's still – No slouches. Not a slouch at all. So, I, I think she is probably looking at free agency, and I think right now Bellator is probably the most likely location for her to land. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Gosh darn it. Okay. Uh we're, I'm heading over to the rankings right now so we can see what's next for Hebus. So 
what do you what do you think's next for Hebus? Oh, women's strawweight's so deep, man. Women's strawweight is so deep. It's so hard to tell. I mean, she was she was ridiculously impressive, but she's still 14th in that uh, division right now. Honestly, uh, Michelle Waterson and Angela Hill are getting ready to fight uh, later this year. Maybe maybe that's a matchup that that gets made. She gets the winner of that. Uh, she's obviously extremely talented, but I don't think she's on the level of somebody like a Claudia Gedalia, who's one of the hottest women fighter, women's fighters of the year. I know that's a fight I would like to see as talented as, as both of them are on the ground. And I think it's something we'll see down the line at straw weight, uh, but I don't think she's ready for quite that much of a step up. I think you've got a, a couple of veteran sort of middling contenders in Watterson and Hill that are getting ready to fight. And I think Hebus getting one of them coming off a win would be really intriguing. Yeah, for sure. I think I would have to agree with you there. I, w- I would like to see her fight Angela Hill. And I think Angela Hill should be ranked higher than 13. She's won four of the last five, I believe. And I think in that last fight, she definitely could have uh, won the, the other round. So I think with uh, Angela Hill, that'd be a good fight for her. You know, it's, it's, it'd, it'd be a great one on a resume against, uh, I don't know, uh, a, a very, very long-time UFC veteran. All right, so we're going to move on to the next uh, event that was on the card. Um, this is – it was the fight of the night, I believe, uh, Andrade versus Nami Yunus. Nothing really surprised me here. Lots of fireworks. What were your thoughts on the fight? I think this is something where it, it just speaks to how deep this division is uh, with with both of these women. It's so, so impressive that – you've got both of these women and neither one of them are the champion. I mean, honestly, I think these two, Yana Zajetrik and Zhang Wei Li are probably interchangeable at the top of, at the top of this division. And when we talked to Dan Stupp last week, he kind of felt the same way. And Rose Namunas just keeps getting better and better. They talk so much on the, during the fight about how, how much more committed she is to her career now, how she has taken a step up since then. And I think we saw that uh, when she did lose uh, to Jessica Andrade, getting knocked out with that slam, she was clearly more distracted as the fight went on. Even she said she didn't want to be there after the fact. So for her to go out, avenge that loss, and do it pretty convincingly, I think sets her up really nicely moving forward. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. And I think – what I noticed a lot from this fight was that Andrade, her striking seemed quite improved from the last bout that we saw. I, I don't know if you agree with me on that, but it seemed a little more refined. It wasn't as wild. And yes, she didn't really get much on the ground, but she stood her game with probably the best striker in uh, not only the division, but probably all of women's UFC. What would you think? Yeah, that's what I would say. I was really impressed with Jessica Andrade. She seemed a lot more precise with her striking obviously she was looking to get that fight to the ground matched up against somebody like Rose Namajunas, but losing a fight that competitive on the feet to, like you said, probably uh, one of the most talented and well-regarded women strikers we've ever seen in Rose Namajunas is really impressive. And again, this women's strawweight division, at least at the top is so, so deep, like I said, and then, Coming up, you have Claudia Gedalia, who just moved into this division earlier this year and is on a ridiculous hot streak. And then you move further down, and we just talked about how impressive Amanda Hebus is and how she looks like the future at women's strawweight. I'm so excited to see this division. And that's not even looking at the fact 
that uh, Zhang Weili and Joanna Jędrzejczyk had what we were calling at one point possibly the best women's fight of all time just a couple months ago. Yeah, for sure. And I think moving into what's next for these people, Jessica Andrade, I think we could see her fight Jędrzejczyk next. I don't know if you would agree with me on that, but this you can't really go wrong with anyone in the top five for Andrade to fight next, This or six, or even seven. Like This division is completely stacked from one to eight. And even if you go past eight, it's that stacked. We already we've talked. We've beat. We've beaten this uh, dead horse already. So, what do you think's next for Andrade? Honestly, I, I can't disagree with you. Like, I feel like a broken record talking about how deep women's strawweight is right now. But it's probably the deepest women's division in the UFC right now, and it's probably along with I would say probably men's probably men's bantamweight and featherweight. I mean, not featherweight, but men's bantamweight. And I would say welterweight's pretty deep too, but it's, it's up there as one of the most deep divisions in the UFC right now. And honestly, you could throw Jessica Andrade up against anybody, like you said, in that top six, and I would be entertained watching it. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, we could disagree there. Now, I think what's next for Nami Yunus really depends on what's next for Zhang, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Zhang move up to fight Shevchenko, possibly after she fights Calderwood, but that's, that's, that'll probably be in another year. So I think what we'd see next is, is Zhang versus Namunas. What do you think? I think Rose Namunas is kind of on this redemption track, and the next step in that has to be a title fight against Zhang Weili. Uh, of course, she's avenged the loss to the woman that beat her for the women's strawweight title in Jessica Andrade. And the next step to that would be getting that title back against Zhang Weili, who was the one that knocked Andrade off. So if she can go out and do that, I think that would kind of complete this arc we've seen for Rose Nama Yunus as she's kind of fallen back in love with the sport of mixed martial arts. And I think she's definitely the next challenger for Zhang Weili. I don't think there's anyone that can question that really. Yeah, I, I think you pretty much summed it up there. Speaking of Shevchenko, have you heard when she's going to fight Calderwood? I, I, there's been some discussions, but I don't have it nailed down. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll look that up later. So on to the – I think you and I got the result we both wanted <laughs> in this fight uh, again with Piotr versus Jose Aldo. This was – I mean, if you just look at the what happened here, this was – most of this doing from Piotr Jan, 258 strikes, was done in the fifth round. Um, what were your thoughts on this fight? You know, Jose Aldo, coming into this fight, I think I was underestimating him a little bit because of how much controversy they had been, there had been around this fight. But uh, something that I at least was neglecting to think about was the fact that this guy is probably the uh, – you could compare him with Max Holloway, who we're going to talk about later, but is – arguably and probably in my opinion is the best featherweight of all time he's just unproven in this bantamweight division there was controversy around this fight because he did get thrown into a title fight in his second go around in the division and honestly for a little bit over two and a half rounds this was as evenly matched a fight as you're gonna find Uh, but uh, towards the end of that third round is where I started to notice uh, Piotr Jan was just a little more precise with his strikes there was a little bit more behind his punches than Aldo. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with you there. Um, you know, Piotr, I mean, no no, uh, no slight to Jose Aldo, but, I mean, we both agreed he didn't really deserve this title fight. He uh, he lost two in a row, 
And people are, he thinks he won against Marice. I thought the decision was fine. I will get into another, we'll get into a controversial decision in a hot minute. But what Piotr Jan showed me is that he can shine under the bright lights against the best of the best. I mean, he's already done that. I mean, we'll, we'll go to Piotr Jan, I guess. And he's just been just mowing through this division. Yes, he did beat kind of a, an old Uriah favor. He beat Rivera. He beat Dotson. I mean, these guys, I mean, the, the, the guy Peter Jan, Piotr Jan had beaten are not chumps. I mean, Piotr Jan really showed here that he definitely belongs at the top when some people really, really doubted him. So I think what we're going to get into here next is I don't think Jose Aldo is washed, but he's not – we still think he's kind of where he was five years ago, but he's not. Where, where do you think Jose Aldo stands? I think Jose Aldo is in a position where in this bantamweight division, it's getting deeper as time goes on. We've seen Cody Bar- Garbrandt return to form with that win over Rafaela Sanchao. Corey Sandhagen took a loss to Aljamain Sterling, but he's still one of, honestly, the best young prospects in the UFC, uh, no matter what weight division it is, let alone in the bantamweight division. Uh, Jimmy Rivera is still around. Rob Font's still around. Cody Stamen is on his way up. Aldo, I think – I don't know that he's going to get lost in the shuffle, but I don't think he's in a position, at least at bantamweight, where he can be considered a title contender again. Obviously, he had his struggles late in his time at featherweight. That's a division that's a little less deep than bantamweight. I don't know if he would consider moving back up there, but I don't see him being a title contender at bantamweight unless something big changes. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. And when we look at the bantamweight rankings, it's just stacked beyond relief in the top six. I mean, Jose Aldo's number six, but then we have Sanhagen, Garbrandt, Jan, who's now the champion, Marais, Sterling. And there's Rafael Sansal and Dominic Cruz, who's even 12. So it's not – He, I think he won't get lost in the shuffle. I think he could still make some headway in this division if he uh, can string a win or two together and come back for another championship grab. But, I'd love to see him fight Dominic Cruz personally. Yeah, put that as a main event, uh, a co-main event on a on a pay-per-view card. Boom, that's that's about yeah. two hundred thousand pay-per-view buys right there. So I think I think that's a good. We've kind of summed up what's next for Jose Aldo. But Piotr Jan, I think you and I can both agree it's Aljamain Sterling's turn. Yeah. I think it should have been Aljamain Sterling's turn, uh, couple uh, last weekend or Marlon Moraes' turn. Actually, I'd rather be Marlon Moraes last week. But it there's no way it's not Aljamain Sterling. What do you think? At this point, I would have to think so. His star is so hot after that win over Corey Sandhagen where he looked as precise, as proficient in everything that we've seen Aljamain Sterling be good at in the past. He's refined even more and proved that against Corey Sandhagen, taking out one of the hottest guys in the UFC at the time, uh, just minutes into the first round, getting him to the ground, choking him out in seconds. So Aljamain Sterling is somebody I'm really excited to see moving forward. I think, honestly, with with his performance against Sandhagen, he's probably jumped the line ahead of Marlon Moraes, in my opinion. Uh, but believe me, Marlon Moraes is, I would have to say, upset that he did not get this title fight on Saturday and is going to be waiting in the wings for the winner of that fight. Yeah, that's very true. He's going to be waiting for a hot minute. Maybe by the by the beginning of next year, he'll get that fight. So on to the co-main event of the evening. We got 
Um, Max Holloway versus uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. You know, people were mad about the decision. I wasn't mad about the, the decision. What, were, what, what are your thoughts about this? If I'm scoring this fight, which I'm by no means a, a professional mixed martial arts judge. That's not, that's not who I am. That's not what I do as a profession. I'm a college student. I'm a 19-year-old kid. But if I'm scoring this fight, Max Holloway is the UFC featherweight champion of the world right now. However, that third round was honestly as close as any round I have seen in a championship fight in a really long time. And the, I, something that stuck out to me that I saw before, before the main card started and popped back into my head when I saw that when the decision came down for this fight is something that Brett, Brett Okamoto tweeted right before the main they were using judges from overseas who could more easily get to Abu Dhabi to score these fights. And I think, does that, can I say for sure that that factored into the decision between Holloway and Volkanovsky? I can't say that for sure. Uh, but I know in a fight as close as that, there's going to be controversy when it goes to the judges' scorecards. I don't have a problem with Alexander Volkanovsky winning that fight. I think he fought a very good fight. I just think uh, from, my, from my perspective, Max Holloway won three out of those five rounds. Yeah, I I, I can't argue with that. I think I don't – when I saw the end of the fight, I'm like, it can go either way. I'm not going to complain whether or not who wins because we, we both know Max won the first two rounds. It's obvious that he won the first two rounds because I think he knocked him down in both rounds. But then the third yeah, round without, was without, – Without that first round knockdown, I think Volkanovski takes the first round. Yeah, that's probably true. And with, the round, with round three, that could, that's a coin flip. And then rounds four and five, he took Holloway down both rounds, and that's why he won both rounds. He didn't do much when he got him on the ground, but he did so. And I think we could compare this fight to uh, Jones versus Reyes because of, this, of the same way how the third round was close. We know who won the first two. We know, we know who won the last two, Reyes and Jones, uh, respectively. So that we can kind of apply this to here and say, yes, I think to beat – the champion, you actually have to beat the champion. In the, in the third round, there was no uh, separation between the two when it came to the third round. It was that was so close. So I think you give that to the champion because Max Holloway didn't be, beat the champion by a significant margin in that round. So Volkanovski, I agree with the decision. I'm not mad at the decision. So I think we can uh, head on to what's next for Max Holloway. And... I don't know what's next for Max Holloway. I think he definitely stays in the division. Maybe we could – I wouldn't be surprised if he moved up to lightweight, but I don't see that happening. What do you think? Okay, Max Holloway, honestly, uh, I think it, it's very possible we could see his next fight decided this very week. I think there's a decent chance he gets the winner of Calvin Cater and Dan Ige. I think that's, that's a definite possibility. Those are two guys uh, that are certainly up-and-comers in this division that he could he could do some serious have some serious fireworks with in, in my opinion i've seen some people talk about he move up to 155 fight somebody like tony ferguson because that's been rumored that he was up for a, an interim lightweight title fight with ferguson in 2019 uh, but i don't see max holloway leaving the featherweight division at least for the time being he's been so impressive there and he's proven that even at five foot eleven, he can make one forty-five just about every time he goes out there. 
So I see no reason for him to move up in, in any kind of weight class. Uh, the winner of Calvin Cater and Dan Ige, which I think will probably be Calvin Cater. That's just my take. We're going to preview that later in the week, obviously. Uh, but I think he probably gets Calvin Cater if he knocks off Dan Ige this week. Yeah, I, I would, I'd have to agree with you there with uh, Calvin Cater and Danny Gay. That's a, that'd be a good matchup for either one because either one for Max Holloway because of Cater's refined striking and uh, Holloway's creative striking. I think that'd be a, a good fight for some fireworks. So I think we've uh, beat the dead. Ho- oh, right. What's next? For Vol- I think what's next for Volkanovski is the winner of the beaten uh, Yair Rodriguez. I don't know if you agree with me on that. What do you think? That's a definite possibility. As far as rankings go, that's the, the fight that makes the most sense. Uh, but, I mean, Chen Sung Jung, Korean Zombie, called, uh, called Volkanovsky out after that fight uh, because, I mean, he said it's shameful that Volkanovsky's the champion in his weight class, uh, that Zombie's talking about he can, he'll be able to finish Volkanovsky to beat him for the title. Honestly, uh, Chan Sung Jung, really talented fighter, and he's won three of his last four. So, I mean, is he up for another title shot? I I think it's a definite possibility. He's got to be in the in the conversation. I'm not sure he doesn't have to deal with Brian Ortega first. So there's there's some other fights that need to happen in this featherweight division. Uh, probably probably in my mind, at least Brian Ortega versus uh, Korean Zombie and Zabit versus Yair Rodriguez uh, before the next contender for Alexander Volkanovsky is decided. Yeah, I, I have no arguments there. And I think with how, how stacked this division is, anyone in the top five would be – I would not be mad if any of these guys in the top five here or if Calvin Cater wins uh, for a title shot against Volkanovsky. I would not be mad at that. So – to the main event of the evening, uh, kind of a snooze fest. I don't know if you agree with me on that one, but Kamar Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. I think uh, I don't <laughs> I don't know if you saw the video I retweeted, but Kamar Usman's practice for this was that dude stepping on the cans in a straight yeah. line. <laughs> so I think I don't know what's next for Usman. Well, actually, we'll go into the fight. What do you think of the fight? Honestly, this this fight took me two watches to really appreciate it because. I mean, the first time you saw it, it was, it was after midnight, at least Eastern time. Uh, I'd been doing baseball games uh, on the radio for the local station, doing summer league games uh, all day before that. So, I, I mean, I was exhausted. I, I could barely keep my eyes open, regardless of how exciting, even the fights before that, the two other title fights, I barely made it through without falling asleep too. Uh, so, and then you have Kamar Usman out here that's just grinding Jorge Masvidal up against the fence. And I came into this fight, honestly, if, if there were going to be fireworks in this fight, it was going to be Jorge Masvidal putting Kamaru Usman on his back early in this fight. And, and that didn't really – that didn't happen, obviously. Kamaru Usman took it to a decision and retained his title. But then I went back and watched it again yesterday. And from, from the perspective of an MMA purist, looking at this fight for the value of the craft of the sport, that Kamaru Usman was able to utilize across five rounds on Saturday night, it was so, so impressive to me. Uh, obviously, there's, there's people, everybody on Twitter talking about, oh, Usman's style is so boring. He, he's not going to generate pay-per-view buys. Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, Dude, whatever. He's the champion of the world. He's the best welterweight on the planet. And 
until somebody can can find something to combat a style that is so close to what the heart of mixed martial arts has become it and it's not just these things that get casual fans riled up with Jorge Masvidal kneeing people in the face and knocking them out in five seconds, as impressive as that was. And the big, you know, swing for the fences right hand from Cody Garbrandt, which I love finishes like that. They're what makes the UFC so exciting. But on the other hand, I can appreciate the technique and the planning and the craft of the sport that Kamaru Usman is able to utilize in the octagon and it's so impressive to me so for people saying that this this fight was boring uh, from your perspective maybe it was but but to me I was watching one of the best fighters in the world uh, put his craft to good use and do it in in a way that is like somehow in my mind uh, turns fighting into art if that makes sense yeah, I get what you say. And I think it was boring to me because I was half asleep and I really wasn't paying too much attention to the fight. But I like watching grappling matches because I just like to see them figure it out. That's why I like watch, going back and watching old Brock Lesnar matches. Yes, he's a freight train. That also makes it more entertaining. But the way he, the way he figures it out is fascinating to me. And watching you know GSP do that, which we'll get, we'll get into him in a tad. But watching Usman fight, uh, it's just, it's, it is art watching him figure out stuff yes probably about 150 of those 263 total strikes or foot stomps but it got the job done he won the fight i don't care what you say he's better than you are you chump laying on the couch but he's he's just better than everyone of this division and i think it shows so what do you think's next for masvidal i think if masvidal had won this fight we'd see a title shot with connor that's kind of what i was thinking or i think we could see uh Masvidal fight Colby Covington or Leon Edwards next? What do you think? I think the fight that makes the most sense is probably Colby Covington, and that's solely based on the fact that from the UFC's perspective, Jorge Masvidal is one of the biggest draws that they have, and I don't think they would have ponied up the money that he wanted for this fight against Kamara Usman if he wasn't. So, obviously... Colby Covington gets a lot of people riled up for, for better or for worse. He is one of the best fight, one of the best guys in sports, regardless of, of what sport it is at, at galvanizing the fans and making people hate him or at least love to hate him. And I think Jorge Masvidal is right up there uh, with Colby Covington. And I think these are two guys that with the, the way that they fight and the types of personalities that they have, at least in the public, this is a fight that would make the UFC a ton of money. It would be extremely exciting, both out of the octagon and in it once these two guys square off. Because, I mean, these are, are two guys that are just going to beat each other in the face until one of them falls down. And, I, I mean, I was just talking about how beautiful the style that Kamaru Usman employs is. I also like to watch people punch each other in the face. And I want to see Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal do that. Yeah, I do too. I think, I think that's the fight we want to see. That's the fight everyone wants to see. And we'll see that in a main event uh, probably coming up pretty soon because Jorge Masvidal didn't take too much damage in that last fight this past weekend. I think for Usman, it's probably Burns. I, don't see, I can't see it any other way. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this in two or three months. 
So, I don't know. Do you agree with me? I think we see Gilbert Burns soon, which, again, that sucks because Leon Edwards is getting pushed back again. But Gilbert Burns has earned this title shot. Obviously, he's, he's a major candidate for fighter of the year. If he's able to get a fight in against Kamaru Usman later this year and somehow get the welterweight title belt off of him, it would possibly be the most impressive single year we've ever seen from a fighter. I love watching Gilbert Burns fight. I want to see him fight Kamaru Usman, and I think that is what is next in the welterweight division. You know, I can't put it much better than that. And would you like to see a rematch between these two? I would, because I think if Jorge Masvidal was properly conditioned and had a proper camp, it would be a more exciting fight. And then same with Usman, too, having him having a proper camp. What do you think? I think absolutely. I mean, Jorge Masvidal took this fight on six days' notice, dropped 22 pounds to make weight in six days, and was still able to go out and compete with one of the 10 best fighters on the planet, pound for pound. It's it's going to be really exciting to see this welterweight division moving forward because you have Gilbert Burns who has risen so quickly. You have Colby Covington who uh, thus far in 2020 has kind of just been lurking in the shadows. Uh, Jorge Masvidal obviously is so exciting. Leon Edwards has, is, is just one step away uh, from getting that title shot. Honestly, you take Kamara Usman and then you take the top five in this division, which are the five guys I just named off. This this welterweight division is so exciting. It's so diverse that I, I love watching, honestly, anybody at the top of this division fight. Yeah, I would have I'd have to agree with you there. And I would I would, you know, I'm going to get into this now. So people are comparing Usman to GSP. I don't think you can do that yet. Uh, GSP defended his title, I don't know, nine times, I believe. And GSP was the best at literally everything he did. Best grappler, best wrestler, best striker. He was the best at everything. And I think with Usman, you know, I, I hate to say this. I hate to put Usman down like this, but he's kind of like a Ben Askren. Not great at striking, but when it comes to grappling, there's no one better. And I think because he, he's so good at grappling that he doesn't need to strike. He, he's just that good. I don't know if you agree with me on that. Yeah, uh, Kamar Usman is, I think, honestly, a lot of people probably underrate him as a striker. Uh, he's by no means just all grappling in the way that somebody like Khabib Nurmagomedov is. Uh, but he's, he's definitely ground-focused. That's definitely where he makes his money. And honestly, you want to say his style is boring? That's fine. He's the champion of the world, and he makes a lot more money as the world champion than he would as not the world champion. So the style that works for him to win fights, I mean, I'm not going to knock him for it because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And Kabaru Usman backing people up against the fence and grinding them until they can't fight anymore isn't broken. Yep, I, I can't agree with you more there with, uh, with what you said about Usman. Yes, he's not, he's not entertaining, but he gets the job done. I, I that's pretty much what he is. He just gets the job done, and you can't really – knock him for that and yes he did fake that liver kick against Colby Covington Colby Covington probably wouldn't won that fight but that makes it more viable for a rematch I think and I want to see that so Daniel do you have any final thoughts on what we have uh talked about today or in general about anything I missed most of what oh you do you have final thoughts uh nothing nothing really jumps to my mind as it stands right now we've got 
some exciting some exciting fight night cards, but obviously, <coughs> excuse me, the card that people are looking forward to is going to be August fifteenth, UFC two fifty two, Steep A and DC three, and then there's some really good undercard fights on that as well. I'm excited to see what happens there. I'm excited to be able to talk about them on this podcast. You know, uh, I don't have much else left, but thanks, Danny, for coming back on, per usual. We're really going to – we'll have, like – we'll record, like, four or five episodes this week or something like that, something yeah. absurd. But thanks for coming back on, and we will see you guys next time.